Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Oh, good morning. How is everybody this morning? All got smiles on your faces. That's a good thing. Well, we're going to talk this morning. Uh, we talked last week about uh, the rain and what it what it is. Why do we pray for it? How come we're praying for it? And really, this morning, if if, if any of of what the Lord has showed me, this has probably been the most sobering part uh, for me, anyway, of experiencing the reign of His presence. And that's stewarding his presence, stewarding the rain. You know, we talk a lot about being good stewards of our money, being good stewards of our time, taking care of the things God gives us to being a good steward over the things God gives us, taking care of them. But you don't hear much said about stewarding the presence of God, stewarding the rain. And if there's anything we need to steward, it's that. Because if you don't have that, you don't have anything. <laughs> Seriously. You don't have his presence. What's the use? What's the purpose? And so we're going to talk about that this morning. Let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word how precious it is, how mighty it is, how powerful it is. Thank you that you have given it to us, Lord, that you haven't left us just to wander through this life trying to make it on what we know and what we feel, but you've given us this word to guide us and to show us. And so we're thankful for that this morning. Father, help me. You will, you will help me to communicate this properly the way you want it. Father, there won't be one idle word spoken this morning. There won't be one word, Lord, that's spoken out of a man's intent or a man's intellect, but it's going to be your word. And so, Lord, we thank you for that this morning. Amen. Amen. So if we look at this, and, and again, we're just, for our contextual text this morning, we're staying in Zechariah 10.1, ask the Lord for rain, in the time of the latter rain, the Lord will make flashing clouds, he will give them showers of rain, grass, and a field for everyone. Let me talk a little bit last week about, you know, the three different words that have to do with rain in this, in this scripture. There's rain, which means to pour out, there's the latter rain, which is the ripening or the maturing rain. And then when you get down and he talks about the showers of rain, he's talking about the Geshem, the heavy rain, the monsoon. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> That's what I'm after. Well, we're going to talk this morning about stewarding the rain or, or handling the holy. And we we've, as a church, have really lost sight of the importance of this. 
God takes his presence seriously. He expects us to take it seriously. He expects us to handle it properly. He expects us to handle it the way he wants it handled. You're all familiar with the story in the, in the Old Testament about how David wanted to bring the ark back, back into Jerusalem. His heart was right. His heart was in the right place. But he didn't take time to see how this thing was supposed to be stewarded and handled. And a man died because of it. And so what did David do? Instead of, well, for a while, he just said, it scared him and it made him mad, the word says. Because he didn't know what to do with it. So there was a house nearby. The guy's name was Obed-Edom. And they said, well, we'll take it in there. Can Can you imagine? This has happened right in front of your house. And, and they're scraping this guy, literally scraping him off the, the road. And they say, yeah, well, let's put it in his house. <laughs> but then David gets word. He said, hey, God's blessing the house of Obed-Edom. And you can read where it says, and it's because of the ark. It's because of his presence. And so what did David do? David decided and he, he decided in his heart that he was going to get the presence of God. He was going to get the ark to Jerusalem. But this time, he went back to the word. <laughs> he went back to the word and saw how the word said to do it. And when he, he did it according to the way the word said to do it, when he handled it the way the, the word said to handle it, The word says that they didn't get six paces, six steps, and the glory of the Lord fell. And so it's important to know how to handle the presence of God, how to steward it. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures right off the bat, ones in in Romans, Romans 13, and it's uh, verses 11 through 13. And it will read down from 11 to 14. And it says, And do this knowing the time that is now nigh to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lusts, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Now in the Passion it says, it says to live like this is all the more urgent. For time is running out. And you know it is a strategic hour in human history. Hello. (laughs) I mean we got balloons flying over and stuff getting shot out of the sky. And and, uh, (laughs) it is, yeah. Praise God is right. Because that, you know what that tells us? We're getting close. (laughs) Ah, hey, come on. That ought to get you a little excited this morning. Pretty soon we're going to be bidding this old world goodbye. And we're going to be stepping into the presence of God forever. 
and we're going to be fellowshipping with him forever. Never again are we going to know what it's like to be separated from him or feel like he's distant from us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, they get sidetracked on that. Night's darkness is dissolving away as a new day of destiny dawns. So we must once and for all strip away all what is done in the shadows of darkness, removing it like filthy clothes, and once and for all clothe ourselves with the radiance of light as our weapon. Whew, that's good. Ephesians 5.15, another one we'll look at real quick and then we'll get into this. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And in, in, the, in the, the New Living Testament, it says this, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. See, that's what we're supposed to do as believers. We're supposed to make the opportunity of, of the time that we have. I read something this week, and as I read it, man, it just, I, I was like, yeah. I, I, it, but I was reading it, it said, you, 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 we've had God visit us some, in some great times, haven't we? Man, we've had God rain down and come down and, and just walk among us, haven't we? Do you know that every time he has done that, he steps back and he watches and observes how we react to it and how we handle it? Every time God does that, he's not just, you know, on a whim saying, hey, I think I'll just go down and visit with him today. No, he does it, and then he observes what we're going to do with it, how we approach it, how we handle it. Every time we experience a, visita a visitation of his presence, he is watching to see how we handle his presence. He is simply looking for environments where people Simply resolve to make room for him. When God comes down and he starts to visit a place, he is looking for people who have made a firm resolve, yeah, we're going to make room for the Holy Spirit. We're going to make room for Jesus. We're going to make room for God to come and be with us. We're resolved in this. You know what? When you're resolved in something, you can't be moved off of it. When you're resolved in something, nothing can be said to sway you any other direction. An atmosphere where people actually rise to the standard Jesus made available and Holy Spirit made accessible. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are ready to step in to what he wants to do. He's looking for people who are ready to get in line with how he wants things done and when you do that, that's when the rain starts to fall. When you get yourself in line with what Holy Spirit is doing and what the Father is trying to convey through Holy Spirit, when you get yourself lined up with that, you're in a good place. We must understand, and, and the importance, you guys, is to, to really for, to understand what God is doing right now. Right here. And the importance of his stewarding and taking care of the rain that he is entrusting us with. 
Bill Johnson said this, life gets reduced to one thing, how we steward the presence of God. Stewarding the presence of God, hosting the presence is the only way impossible dreams can be accomplished. I'll read the last part of that to you again. Stewarding the presence of God, hosting the presence of God, is the only way impossible dreams can be accomplished. Listen, when God comes and he's, he, he moves in his sovereignty on a place, a region, or a group of people, from that point on, the only thing that matters is taking care and tending what he is doing in that moment. God will not send his reign to people who refuse to steward it. God will not send his reign to people who refuse to steward it. Who refuse to handle it the way he wants it handled. The minute man begins to put his hand on it, and the minute man begins to try and manipulate it, and man begins to try to fit it into his program, God will remove it, and he'll move it. And he won't, he won't let it, you, won't, you, won't, you just won't get it. Now, I know that sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? But God is serious about his presence. He takes his presence. He takes the giving out of himself seriously. He doesn't see it as commonplace. He doesn't see it as just haphazard. He doesn't just throw the dart at the wall and say, well, they, okay, it hit on them, so here we go. No, no, no. He's after a people who want him. He's after a people who are desirous of him. He's after a people who will put everything else aside to have his presence. God won't send his reign to people who refuse to steward it. Now, when we, a lot of times when we talk about the move of God, we tend to concentrate on the past, what God did, or we tend to concentrate on the future, what God is going to do. And we spend way too little time talking about what God's doing right now. We spend way too little time talking about what God is doing right now. Because you see, God, God doesn't expect us to steward the past. <laughs> Can't do that. God isn't even exact, he doesn't even, he's not even expecting us to steward the future. But he is expecting us to steward what he is doing right now. Right now. And it's easy, it is, man, it's easy. You can get so caught up with thinking and, uh, be honest with you, I, I used to be this way. I'd read about, and I, you know what, I've been this way, I don't, ever since I, I really started in my walk with the Lord, I, I, could, I could read about a move of God, and it would, I'd, I'd be in tears. I would. I'd be, oh, God. Oh, God. Am I ever going to see this? Is this ever going to happen again? Until I got to the place where God told me, he said, you know what? What are you doing back there? What are you doing living back there? 
And it's easy, it's easy to, to, to get to that place where we spend so much time looking at the past that we don't see what God's doing right now. And we can't, we can't give uh, our attention to what God is doing right now. And sometimes we get way out in the future. And we get fixated with the future. Boy, this is, this is <laughs> help me, Jesus. If we are ever, this is so rampant right now about people having to live in the future. And people, I always got to hear, always got to hear a word of God, from, a word from God. There, you know, there are people that can't even get out of their bed in the morning and get the day started unless they get their favorite prophet on and hear what God's saying for today. I said it. Can't take it back. Wouldn't anyway. What about hearing from here? What about, what about going to this and letting God speak to you? Come on. Now, I'm not against, I'm not, don't you hear, don't you hear saying I'm against the prophets because I'm not. But I believe, I believe God can speak to us. He, he'll, he'll use a prophet. He'll use prophetic voices. But I think he's far more excited and he's far more anxious to meet with us on our own, you and me. Have a Moses kind of, 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 of a relationship where God told Aaron and Miriam, he said, there's some people I talk to, some people I visit, but this guy I talk to face to face. And you, you look that up in the Hebrew, and it literally means breath to breath. That's how God wants to deal with us. That's how God wants us to experience him. So we're not called to steward the past or the future, but we are called to steward the rain that is falling right now. Most revival language is futuristic when it should be addressing what God is doing right now. If we are always obsessed and preoccupied with what God's going to do one day, someday, I call it the one day Sunday syndrome. Just turn on your, turn, you can look at anything and, and and people are always talking, well, God's going to do this. Well, God's going to do this. God's going to go. What about what God's doing right now? What about what God's doing right, right in this moment? One day, someday, we run the danger of becoming so intoxicated with the future that we forget to care for and tend what God is doing right now. Come on, this is something we really got to be careful of. We got to be careful that we don't we don't put so much stock in what everybody else is saying about what God is doing out here that we forget what God is doing right now. Now we use we use what God has done in the past to what? It's it's to bolster our faith. And we use what God's going to do in the future to activate our faith. But we we got to get past the point to where we understand that if we're out in the past or in the future, then we aren't, we aren't in a place where we can, we can reap what our faith has asked for. That makes sense? That we're, we, we, if, we're, if we're constantly talking about what God did or what God's going to do, we can't reap the benefit of what God's doing right now. We won't reap it because our attention's everywhere else. 
Talking about what God did builds our faith. Talking about what God is going to do should activate our faith. Stewarding what God's doing right now is reaping the result of what we have believed for. <laughs> Come on. If you're always, if you're, I, I know I'm belaboring this point, but man, we, this, this is such an important concept, especially now. Because you, you've got voices that are, that are I, I mean, you can, you can tune in and you can hear anything you want to hear at any time about what God did or what God's going to do. I just listened again this morning when I was getting ready. I listened to, a, it's called the Revival Hymn. And it, it's simply uh, guys like Leonard Ravenhill and A.W. Tozer Paris Reed had Duncan Campbell talking about revival and talking about what they experienced. And man, that builds my faith because I'm like, oh God, if you did it then, you are going to do it now. If you, you don't change. There's nothing about you that changes. If you did that for them then, you'll do it for us now. We must understand that this is our time. You know, there's not a day goes by that I don't, that I don't when I'm in prayer, that I don't, I don't tell the Lord that. This is our time. This is my time. This is the time that I have waited for. This is the time that I have prayed for. This is the time that I have dreamed about. Oh, God, do not let me miss it. Oh, Father, listen, this is a mentality we have to have, folks. God's visiting us. This is our time. Right now, we don't have tomorrow, and we cannot live in the past, but we can live in what God is doing right now. You can always talk about how it's going to rain, but that doesn't do you any good unless it's raining. I know that's kind of a simple way to look at it. If we don't steward the rain that is falling right now, we will miss out on the eternal rewards and blessings we could have received and see them pass on to another group, another group of people, I will tell you right now, and I love each and every one of you, but we're nothing special. If we do not handle, and if we do not steward the presence of God, he will pass right over us, and he will pour it out on somebody else who's ready to steward it, and who will steward it. I don't know about you. That's not in my game plan. You listen to the, to the word that comes forth from, from, from this pulpit time and time again. That's not the game plan here. All right, well, some of you believe it. Come on, that's not our game plan. That's not our goal. That's not our, that's not our purpose. We want the rain here. And so we're going to do everything. We're going we're to listen to the hard word. We're going to listen to the difficult word, and we're going to ingest it, and we're going to let it build us up, and we're going to let it prep us and prepare us for the move of God so when it comes, we're not wondering what to do. We're not wondering how, to, how, how do we... I'm telling you what. There, I... I'm, Lord, help me. I know what I've seen in the Spirit. I, I, know, I know what I've seen in the Spirit concerning this church. <laughs> you don't even have a clue. 
what God's going to do here. There is part of this that we're, we're, we're going to have to learn on the fly. Because it's going to be stuff that we ain't never seen before. It's going, to be, it's going to be so off the wall and outside the realm of our little box that we try to keep God in. But there is also the part of it that we're going to know because God's going to reveal it to us. This is what all this hard teaching, this, this, and it has, it's not hard teaching. It's good teaching. It's teaching that helps you grow. It's help, helping you to mature. It's helping us as a group to mature. So when the move of God comes, we know what to do. We know, we know, okay, that God told us this back here, so that's what we do here. I don't know why I said it. I'm not even in my notes, but it's good anyway. But seriously, if we, if we don't tend it, if we don't steward it, the blessing and eternal reward we could receive from it, we're not going to get. And God will give it to somebody who's ready to receive So we, what, is, what is stewardship? We talk about stewardship. It's, it's, it's a major uh, emphasis in, in the church, and it should be. Stewardship. And this is from the Holman Bible Dictionary. It's utilize, utilizing and managing all the blessings, gifts, and resources that God provides for his glory. That's what stewardship is. It's utilizing and, ma and managing all the blessings, gifts, and resources that God provides for his glory. It's simply recognizing, prioritizing, and utilizing properly all that God is releasing in this time. I'm going to say that again. It's important that you get this. It's, it's recognizing... It's prioritizing and it's utilizing all that God is releasing in this time. You know what? When a farmer, and I'm not talking from experience, but when a farmer gets ready to plant a crop, he's going to utilize everything at his disposal. He's going to, he's going to use every implement he has. He's going to use everything at his disposal to make sure that he gets an optimum harvest. He's going to manage that harvest. He's going to pick the right seed. He's going to use the right implement at the right time to prepare the ground. He's going to do all that. And that's what we're doing when we are stewarding the move of God, when we're stewarding the rain. We're taking and we're, we first we're recognizing what God is doing. And then we're, we're, we're utilizing everything that God's given us in this time to use. We're, we're utilizing things that, that, that people haven't had in the past to use. We're, we're utilizing social media. We're utilizing the internet. Podcasts. We're doing everything we can do. As God gives us these gifts, we're using them to steward and to move and to walk in the move of God and to promote the move of God. So how do we steward the rain? This, I, I, had, <laughs> I had this all laid out real nice 
by by Wednesday. And I was getting ready to, to, to get it all put down. And I woke up Thursday morning. And uh, usually one of the first things I do is I, I, I listen to, to Giving 15. And if you haven't listened, if you didn't listen to Thursday mornings, give him 15. I, I, w- I was beside myself by the time I was done with this. I got into my prayer closet. And all I could do was weep. Because, see, the first thing we, the first thing we have to do to, to really steward the rain is that we have to have repentant hearts. We have to have a repentant heart. To be a good steward of the, of, of the presence of God, we have to have a repentant heart. Hosea. 6.3, let's read it real quick. Josh, I don't know if I gave you the, that or not. I don't know if I gave you Hosea 6.3. Well, you know what? It's just talking about uh, breaking up the fallow ground. Hosea talks about it a couple places. He talks about it in the 6th chapter. And then he talks about it in the 10th chapter. About breaking up the fallow ground and getting it ready for the rain. But the one that I really, that really, really, really spoke to me was in the book of Joel, chapter 2. And uh, this is what Joel 2, you know, man, we love Joel 2.23, don't we? Last days, I'm going to pour out my presence, my pour out my spirit. Upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Man, we'll we'll decree that and we'll claim that and we'll 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 grab a hold of that promise as we should. But if you go back in the first part of Joel two, and you will read the precursor to the promise, you're gonna you're this is what you're gonna read. You start at verse thirteen. Surrender your heart, and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and a great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. I read this in the New Century Version. And you can go on down through verse 17. It says, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rise over them. Why should they say among the people, where is your God? In the, in the, new, in the new century version, it says this, tearing your clothes is not enough to show you are sad. Let your heart be broken. Come back to the Lord because he is kind and shows mercy. He doesn't become angry quickly and he has great love. He can change his mind about doing harm. Who knows? Maybe he will turn back to you and leave a blessing behind for you. Grain and drink offerings before belong to the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Jerusalem. Call for a day when everyone fasts. Tell everyone to stop work. Bring the people together and make the meeting holy for the Lord. Bring together the elders as well as the children, even the babies that still feed at their mother's breast. 
The bridegroom should come from his room and the bride from her bedroom. The priest that the Lord's servant should cry between the altar and the entrance to the temple. And they should say, Lord, have mercy on your people. Don't let them be put to shame. And he goes on here and, and, and says, don't let other nations make fun of them. Don't let people in other nations ask, where is your God? You know, it's sad that the, that the, that the church as a, as, as a whole is being ridiculed for the wrong reasons. Stay with me now. We're not ridiculed because we're standing for the Lord. But we're being, we're being ridiculed because there's nothing different about us. Oh, hang on. It's going to get rough for a little bit here. You see, for many repentance, when it, we're talking about the rain and asking for the rain. For many people, repentance is just a formality rather than a requirement. Repentance is just a formality rather than a requirement. For most people, it's just thinking that it's repenting is something we have to do to get it out of the way in order to get the rain to fall. Yeah, there are people who think that way. Thinking that's what we have to do to get out of our distress instead of thinking about the grieving heart of God. You know what real repentance is? It's not a saying you're sorry for something so you can escape something. It's, it's, it's repenting because you feel the heart of God. You feel the grief of the heart of God. When we're praying for God and we're asking God to forgive us for the murder of 63, 64 million babies. We're, praying, we're not praying it just so we can get out from underneath something. We're praying it because we feel the grief of the heart of God. When you see that, that, that homeless person on the street, it's, you, you feel the grief of God over them. You see, that's what real repentance is. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry just to get out from underneath something. But repentance comes because you feel the grief of the heart of God over these things. You feel the grief of the heart of God over a lost world. You feel the heart of God, and it breaks your heart to see how... The, you, you grieve. You feel God's heart over the condition of his church. And that's what puts you on your knees. That's what puts you on your face. That's what gets you crying out to forgiveness. I watched something a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and you're, I, 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 don't even, I don't even know how I ran onto it. But I believe it was called a, a gathering of prayer and repentance. And it was uh, at the Museum of the Bible in Washington. And it messed me up so bad. I, I, I was trying to write sermon notes out, and I, I, I couldn't even see. But what it was was people that came together 
And they begin to ask God for forgiveness. And to pray and ask God. They didn't want to ask. They didn't. They, they, are, they were asking God to heal their land. But they, I mean this was. Uh, notable preachers. Uh, Jonathan Kahn was one of them. Uh, Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in, in, in New York. But there were, there were politicians. Guys. I, I heard politicians. Start to pray and ask God. And start weeping. You could tell their hearts were broken. And they weren't broken because our country was bad. They were broken because we we walked away from the Lord. And that's what they said. God, this is because we walked away from you. They had had a a man who was a, 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 a homosexual. And he got up and he said, God, this is, I broke your commandment. I, I, I broke your commandment. I went against you and sinned. I'm asking you to forgive me for that spirit, for that sinner. And I mean, they went right on down. They had a, there was a, les, a gal that was a lesbian, did the same thing. A gal that was bisexual, did the same thing. A, a, a person that had, had uh, come back out of transgenderism said the same thing. And their cry was, their, their cry was this, I grieved you. You see, if we're going to come, I, I got to hurry. Oh, jeez. Repentance comes from a heart that is not concerned with how they are being affected, but by how the heart of God is being affected. If you're going to be a steward of the presence of God, you have to feel the heart of God. You want to look, see what repentance really looks like in something like this? Go to Daniel 9, and you can read where it says that Daniel understood by the times that it was time for Israel's captivity to be over. And they were supposed to, they were going to be heading back to, the, to, to Israel. You know, he didn't start shouting. He didn't start, he didn't start shouting. And, 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 and doing a nice little hallelujah dance. You know what he did? He hit his knees and he repented. And he repented for his sin. He repented for the sin of his fathers. He repented for the sin of his people. That's what he did when he found out that the, that, that the promise was coming to, to, to light and it was going to come to reality. He repented. Nehemiah did the same thing. When he heard the state of Jerusalem, he said, I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. And he did the same thing. It, it affected him so bad, and he was so affected by this. His heart was so broken over this that when he went before the king, the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? And Nehemiah told him, in essence, this is, like Pastor Sean says, this is Mark's translation, but he said, this my, I, I'm grieving over my people. I feel the heart of God over, over his people. Repentance has to come from a heart that's not concerned with how they are being affected, but a heart that feels the grief that God feels over their sin and the sin of their nation. That's how you begin to be a steward. That's the starting place of being a good steward of the presence of God. Is having a repentance heart. We want the rain to fall, but we want to pass by the rending of our, rending of our hearts. 
We want the rain to fall, but we don't want to come in humility. We want the rain to fall, but we don't want the weeping between the porch and the altar. We want the rain, but we don't want the breaking up of the hard ground. We must break up the fallow hard ground, sow the seeds of repentance, then the rain will fall. Then the rain will fall. I know one thing for sure, if I know anything about this church, we're not going to let the rain fall or be wasted on unprepared soil. We're not going to waste it. I want to read some things to you. Now, this is from people who have experienced. These are people who, and it's quotes from them, but these are people who moved in a, in a time of, of seeing the great moves of God. This is what they said. A.W. Tozer said, you can pray till doomsday for revival, but you will never get it without repentance and confession of sin in the Christian life. Frank Bartleman, if you don't know who he was, he was a, one of the, the major uh, people involved in Azusa Street. He said, God has always sought a humble person. He can use no other. There is always much need of heart preparation in humility and separation before God can consistently come. The, listen to this. The depth of any revival would be determined exactly by the spirit of repentance that is obtained. In fact, this is key to every true revival born of God. He said again, and he was talking about Azusa Street. God broke strong men and women to pieces and put them together again for his glory. It was a tremendous overhauling process. Pride and self-assertion, self-importance, and self-esteem could not survive there. The religious ego preached its own sermon there very quickly. <laughs> Evan Roberts, who was uh, instrumental in, in, the, in the, the Welsh revival, said, where does it come? Where is it? All over Wales. I am giving you roughly the result of questioning 50 or more persons at random in the week. A praying remnant has been agonizing before God about the state of the beloved land. And it is through that the answer of fire has come. Charles Finney says, sometimes Christians do not seem to mind anything about the wickedness around them. Or if they do, they talk about it in a cold callous, unfeeling way. They are disposed to school sinners not to feel the compassion of the Son of God for them. But sometimes the conduct of the wicked drives Christians to prayer, breaks them down, makes them sorrowful and tender-hearted so that they weep day and night instead of scolding the wicked. They pray earnestly for them. Then you may expect revival. I've got to move on. I'm out of time almost. The second way that you steward the rain. It's when we quit treating the Holy Spirit as common. Pastor Sean talked a little bit about this last week. One of the enemy's favorite targets is the Holy Spirit. He understands that what the church does with the person and presence of the Holy Spirit determines how much, how mightily, or even if the rain, even if the rain will fall at all. 
All depends on how we handle the Holy Spirit. He hates the Holy Spirit for one reason. The Christian who values and honors the revelation that they actually are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead actually becomes a force that enters into and releases the promised land of on earth as it is in heaven. That's why he hates the Holy Spirit so bad. Because when a Christian gets, when we get filled with this and we get, we get it in us that we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in us, we have the capability to become a force that enters into and releases the promised land of, on earth just like it is in heaven. <laughs> we honor him by giving him complete and total access to our gatherings, not relegating him to a back room somewhere. We honor him by celebrating him instead of tolerating him. We honor him by letting him manifest his work in the open, not behind some closed door where no one will be uncomfortable or offended. We get to the place and we are stewarding the presence of God to such a way that we don't care. We're not concerned about if people feel uncomfortable or if they get offended. I got to hurry. We honor him by seeing him as God, not as some second-hand manifestation that we can pick up or leave in any discretion. Larry Sparks said this, If there is indeed a seeker in our gatherings, it is the Holy Spirit, as he is seeking out people to radically change and transform. To be appropriately seeker-sensitive is not to make people comfortable, but to make Holy Spirit comfortable. We're going to close with this. Four questions to be, to, that you can ask yourself to determine how you are stewarding the presence of God. Number one, what do I do with the rain? What's its purpose in my life? Number two, what place does the rain, the manifestation of the rain of the presence have in my life? What place does it have? Number three, how does the rain of his presence affect the vision and focus of my life. Number four, what is the impact of the rain on my behavior? So I know this <laughs> hadn't been a whole lot of shouting this morning, but that's okay. Because, see, this is a starting place. We have to be good stewards. We have to steward what God gives us, guys, just like our, our finances, just like our time, just like the, the stuff that he gives us, it is vitally even more important that we steward and we tend and we take care of his presence. Because if we do that, if we, he knows he's welcome, if he knows he's not going to be relegated to some back room somewhere and we just pull him out whenever it's convenient for us, then, then the rain's going to fall. Hallelujah. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.